happily ever after. How many of you grew up with story time and you, you loved Disney movies or you, you, know, you had the little storybooks as kids and you, and you grew up and the way that happily ever works is, is what? You all know the story, right? It's like a handsome prince or something or a frog. I, there's, there's a beautiful young maiden, uh, something. She has uh, an evil, wicked stepmother and some ugly sisters. Uh, there's some, some combination of some drama and chaos. There's a tower, possibly a dragon. But eventually, in Happily Ever After, boy meets girl. Uh, there's a sweet little kiss at the end. And then, the, then it just ends, right? And it says, and they lived, what? Happily Ever After. And that is fantastic for stories, right? Because there's drama and there's tension and there's a damsel in distress and there's a hero and there's, it's just great. But then you, you, then you wake up or you walk out of the movie theater or, or whatever and you walk into the real world and then you realize that happily ever, there's no dragon, that happily ever, there might be some wicked in-laws, that there's, there's, not, there's not the same dynamic as it was. Because it, like the movie ends too quickly, right? Like, how does the, the movie just ends with them getting together? It doesn't show you how they stayed together, right? Because what happens when she got pregnant and got crazy? You know what I mean? What, what happened when his, when his drinking problem caught up with him? You know, what, what happened? They didn't tell enough. They assumed that everything just works out. And then we, so we hit reality, right? Or we, we crash into reality. And we realize that happily ever after isn't maybe as easy as the, as the Disney movie portrayed it to be, even though it was sweet and it was fun. But that there's something more to it that happily ever after in the real world actually takes work and it takes effort. If you've been married for any length of time, you, you know that. And so today we're going to kind of back, back the train up and talk about how do you start off happily ever after? Like how do you begin your marriage in such a way? And this is, this is going to be huge for those of you. And let me just say the whole series works like this. If you are in here and you're dating, this series is for you. If you're in here and, and you're married... This, this series is for you. This series is for you if you're single. This series is for you if you're looking to get remarried or, or one day be married. Or, you know, it, this series is for a broad range of people. And so I, I want you to know that you're going to learn something, hopefully take something away from this series. But we're going we're gonna to go back to the beginning and start with the idea of what do you do to begin your marriage off right? And, and how many you know that begins with how it is that you actually date and who you actually date? Now, I, I realized something as I started this series, because I'm a Bible guy, right? What do you expect me to say? I say stuff from the Bible. But the Bible doesn't really say much about dating. Did you know that? You ever thought about why the Bible doesn't say much about dating? The reason why the Bible, now the Bible in principle has a lot to say, but in, in specific detail it doesn't say a lot. Have you ever thought about, like, dating is new? Did you know that? Like, dating's not old. Historically speaking, dating is a very, very new thing. Like if you trace it back to the way America and dating is right now, I mean, this starts back in the roaring 20s, and it kind of evolves a little bit from that point forward. But it wasn't like, you know, Abraham was down at the club, and he saw Sarah, and was like, oh, girl, hey. And, and you know, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get into the lines. Anyway, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like that. Remember, it was like, most of human history, how have two people gotten together? Does anybody know? Arranged marriages. Yeah, yeah, arrange, Most of human history is arranged marriages, which the thought, for you, the thought of that is awful, right? You're like, oh my gosh. And so, 
Now, but let me just tell you this. As I have thought about it and pondered it, it actually makes a lot of sense in theory. Like in an ideal world, that would work really, really well. It, like, like meaning this, like if you had two parents that were mentally stable and, and, and loved you and had some wisdom and it, that was all intact, which for some of us that's not the case, but, but let's just say that was the case. And then you, you had other parents that were mentally stable, emotionally stable, good, loving, kind, wise parents. Here, here, here's my thought on that, is they actually would do a really good job of making sure that you were put together with the type of person that you could grow in love with and you could succeed in marriage. They would. Because I know me, I look at, let's say, my, my, my daughter. There's no way in Hades that I'm going to let some punk be around my daughter. I have multiple weapons. I have a storehouse of ammunition. I, I, I promise on your life, if you hurt my daughter, you won't, you won't live. You, I, I will send you to Jesus quickly. I'm all about connecting people to Christ. I'm going to make it early for you. And so I won't let, I, w- I just won't let my daughter, so, so right? And, let, and that's just taking for granted. That's a little bit of a leap that I'm a emotionally and mentally stable dad. And, you know, I, some wisdom. I, I, so I mean, we're taking a lot for granted there. But my point is, like, in, in an ideal world, that does make a lot of sense. And then, of course, human history moved a little bit towards courting. The idea of courting is, uh, is that parents are still heavily involved and that two people are put together... Um, because they do like each other, but then they're, they're, they're underneath supervision. I don't know if you know, like, old school courting. Like, the way, like, guys, you'd have to go interview with dad. Your first dates would be at her home in their presence. You know, like, and it was, it was a long process. And it was sort of the purpose of getting married. It wasn't like, you know, hey, you know, you got to get a take a test drive before you buy the car, right? You know, that's how it works. And so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that model. And then, of course, we moved into, like, and now we're in, like, the hookup culture, right? There's a, there's a hookup culture. Because you know how it works now. It's like you meet eyes from across the room and you give the look. And she gives the look. And, and, and there's, there's looking involved. And then you're like, hey, girl. And so there's a number of different ways that it happens. But, but in essence, you, you, you get together and you get all goo-goo about each other. And you're like, you're like I can't stop thinking about him. And, and, and you saw the guy has his own version of it. It's like, I can't, I can't stop looking into her eyes. I'm so beautiful. And then, and then, and then what, what brings you together is this elusive cultural idea called chemistry, right? We just have chemistry. There's just something about it. No one has loved like we love, you know, that, that idea. And, and, and so we, we, we get together, and, and, of course, there's a lot of physical touching involved. And, 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 and then eventually what happens is, is that... Uh, we either live together or we get married, and then eventually something leaves. What leaves? That thing, that elusive idea. Chemistry leaves, right? And then you're left with, well, wait a minute, what happened? did I marry the wrong person? Or where, where did the chemistry go? And then what you do is, is you've got to get the chemistry back. And so, uh, and, and usually, ladies, this is your idea. Uh, forgive me. Um, your, your idea is, is I, know what this, I know what will bring the chemistry back to our marriage. We should have a... A, a baby, we should have a baby, because that would totally bring chemistry back, right? <laughs> anyway, that's the dumbest idea. Uh, kid, there's, there's an old saying that says, um, intimacy, I'll, I'll keep it clean, intimacy makes little babies, but babies make little intimacy. 
So anyway, um, so so anyway, there's this idea, and then and then of course you you get you get stuck into like what happened to ever, happily ever after? Why why is it the way that we thought it would be? And what what? So anyway, like I said, we're going to trace this back to the beginning, and today I want to talk to you about the idea of dateable. Who's dateable? Because here's what I learned from my own experience, and this is this is what I'm gonna, this is the I'm going to give you the breakdown of where we're going today. Number one is I'm going to tell you what I did that turned out to be totally brilliant. I'm going to give you my my personal method and process for how this worked, and it was totally dumb luck. I, I, I just was blessed by God through ignorance and and, and fell into uh, uh, divine favor. Let's just say that. So so we're going to talk about that for a moment, and then we're going to talk about the breakdown of what that actually looks like. I'm going to give you kind of like a. a, a, a a four-point step of what you're looking for and who is dateable. And then at the end, I'm going to flip it on its head. So you ready? Everybody say dateable. Who, who, who's dateable? Now, here's what I did because here's what I believe. I believe, and we can put this on the screen, that, that the first step to building a great marriage, everybody say first step. And not the only step and not the last step. There's, there's all kinds of steps. But the first step to building a great marriage is this. This is what I did. Marry someone who's awesome. Because who you date has huge ramifications on, right, your future. Who you date, how you date, and, and how that goes about happening is going to have just a ripple effect into your future. And so my thought was, is, is you've got to date well. You've got to choose who you date very, very carefully. Because you need to know this. Like, smart people know this. All of life is connected, Right? And so who I spend my time with, who I date, my relationships, it's all connected. My past is connected to my present. My present bleeds into my future. All of life is connected, right? So who we date is of the utmost importance. Now, here's, here's what I did. I was a young intern at a church in Michigan, and I was there and, and, and was, was single, and I, I was at church. And this is, this is huge. This is a big key. I was at church. I looked around. And I thought, who's cute? And, and that's what I did. I'm just telling you what I did. This isn't, this isn't thus saith the Lord, and I don't have a verse for this. I'm just telling you what I did, and I'm going to back it up in a minute. And so uh, I just thought, who's cute? And then I saw this girl, and I thought, she's cute. And, uh, because that, that matters to me. And, 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 then I, and, and then this is the other kicker, too. I'm, I'm telling you my life a little bit. Uh, she was, she's, a, she's just a few years older than me. And I found that to be attractive as well. And so uh, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent with you. And so what I thought was, and I did what boys do, uh, we flirt. Uh, that's what I did. I was a good flirt. Uh, I, 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 I was a lot better looking back then than I am now. And, and I, so I began to flirt with her. And I, I went old school too. I went like kid playground, like a little bit of pick, a little bit of play, a little bit of make jokes and be charming and try to be cute and sweet and all that good stuff. And, and, and then eventually my pastor's wife, uh, she, she helped me seal the deal because she saw me. She knew what was happening. She, she saw me flirting with Tara. And, and so she kind of was like, mm-hmm. And, and so she was friends with Tara and she starts doing the deal and arranging things. She, she helped hook it up. And so, and so then I remember I asked her out for the very first time. And what I did was, now let me, let me tell you what, what I did. I just thought that Tara Lee, this is my wife, by the way, if you didn't pick up on that. Uh, she's right here on the front row, uh, Okay, um, I just thought, I thought, she's cute, she loves Jesus, 
she had, you know, one of the things that attracted me to her is that she had such a classiness and a godliness to her character that I thought was really, really attractive. And I thought, I, I, I've, I've got I've to make my move. And, and there were other, a couple other guys in play. You know what I'm saying? And, and I thought, I'm going to whoop you and uh, I'm going to beat you to the punch and you're a sucker. And so, uh, you know, so I had to maneuver carefully by the, you know, a couple other dudes to make sure. And, and so I, I made my move. Of course I won. Uh, okay, so the Bible says in Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18:22 says this, he who finds, everybody say finds, he who finds a wife, that's what I did. Uh, or hunted, or uh, I don't know what I did. He who finds a wife finds a, a good thing. I found a great thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, notice the Bible doesn't say much about how you find or what you know, whatever. We'll talk about that in a second. But what I did was I just found somebody, and I'm going to give you a, a breakdown of what that looks like now because I have uh, counseled with a lot of people. I have studied the human race, as, as especially our culture and population, and I've broken down and seen that basically there are four huge components that you need to be looking for if you're single out there. Now, how many, real quick, how many single people out there? Real quick, just raise your hand. Don't be afraid. I'm, I'm single. Yeah. So take a quick glance around. You just, today could be your day. And and uh, some guy left his hand for a long time. And uh, slow down, killer. Um, so what I'm going to give you today are the four C's to dating. Are you ready? This is, this is brilliant. So let, let's, let's begin here. There are four C's to dating. C number one is this. Everybody say character. The first and most important thing that you can do when you are looking and trying to determine who is dateable is character. Now, when I say character, here's what I mean. Character is, is the ability to do what is right. Just because it's right, regardless of the circumstances. That's the, my definition of character. Meaning they have the ability to do the right thing as God defines right. The right thing, regardless of the circumstances. Meaning like, because you know, like, there's some people that do the right thing when, when, the, when the cops are around. And, you know, th- that's good. Kudos to you. But what we want to know, character is when you could never get found out. And no one would know. And you wouldn't get caught. And you could get away with it. Do you still have the courage of conviction to say yes to what is right simply because it is right, regardless of the circumstances, or the ability to say no to something simply because saying no is the right thing to do regardless of the circumstances. And and, and this is is so huge. You want somebody with character. Because life, when we talk about marriage, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So like we're talking about the long haul. What's most important? That you are with somebody who has an incredible high, incredibly high level of integrity, an incredibly high level of honesty, of faithfulness, of trustworthiness. This is of the utmost importance. So when you're thinking about, so, so, so you're, you're out and about in the world. You're on Match.com. Don't, don't be up in the club. But anyway, you're, you're out there, however that works for you. The very first question you're asking is this. Is this a person of high moral character? The second C... Everybody say Christ. I had to put that instead of Jesus because I needed C's to match up. And so, so anyway, Christ, the Jesus, there is a Jesus element to how you should date. And the Apostle Paul defines this real clearly. There's, there's a scripture, I'll throw it at you. He says this, 2 Corinthians 4.16. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Yoked for them uh, in this setting, in this context, had to do with an agricultural society. And when you would plow a field, you would hook up two animals underneath what? A yoke. 
And the thing is, is that if you have two animals that are unequal in proportion and size and strength, that you end up with crooked lines, that your paths don't stay straight. And so that you, so to keep a straight path, you need two animals that are equally what? Yoked. So he, he's just using this as a metaphor. He's saying, don't hitch your life to someone who doesn't believe what you believe and how you believe. Because, like, hey, let's just, what righteousness does wickedness have in common with, with righteousness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or, or, or it, why would a Niner fan date a Raider fan? And the, so it, it won't work. It just, it's, just, it's just like cats and dogs being together. And so it's, it's, not, it's not, I'm just kidding. Um, although you might really want to consider that... Uh, that might hold true. Anyway, uh, totally lost right there. Anyway, what, what you want is a Jesus element, meaning that if they don't believe, this is what Paul says, if they don't have faith in Jesus and a passion for God like you do, it's not going to work well. You're literally going to be pulling your life, pulling your marriage, pulling your kids, pulling the future in slightly different directions. And it's just not the way that the Apostle Paul says that you should marry and therefore you should not date. Are you, are you flowing with me? Okay, so let's go back to the C's. The four C's are character, Christ. Uh, number four is this one. Uh, everybody said commonality. Now, I used to think this wasn't a big deal, but the more I, I marriage counsel, the more and more this has become a bigger deal. That There's a level of commonality. Now, now let me... Let me say this, if you've got a high level of moral character between two people and you both passionately love Jesus, that will actually bring a, a fairly high level of commonality. But when I say commonality, here, here's what I'm getting at. Do you both see the world the same way? Uh, do you both want the same things in life? Do you both want the same things for your future because you know sometimes i get i get couples that come from two different worlds and then worlds collide and and what i mean is like you know he comes from a big family with strong family ties and she's an only child and then all of a sudden like there's just this thing. so like there's big family versus little family and i've even seen this culturally too with certain like certain cultural groups like heavy 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 family ties and then you got other cultural groups like eh, maybe at christmas and so and y'all know, y'all know who I'm talking about. And so anyway, you know, but, but like even the kid thing, like, you, you know, if, if you want one kid and she wants five kids, you know, that, that's, that's not a lot. That's not a lot coming out. If, if, if you like uh, to shoot Bambi and she wants to save Bambi, you know, like, like that, that's if you are a, a social butterfly and he is a hermit, you know, you just get into these things where like you can get, uh, put it this way. You can both love Jesus and both have high moral character. And we'll talk about this in, 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 the, in the weeks to come a little bit more. But it's important that you actually enjoy doing life together. And that does matter. And so when you're dating, the first question is, are they of the utmost of moral character? Secondly, do they love Jesus? Thirdly, do we have enough in common? You don't have to have everything in common. I'm not saying you both need to eat your eggs scrambled or overeat. I'm not saying it has to be that crazy. But enough commonality where you enjoy doing your life together. Now, I just, I just realized that somebody, somebody had angst right there when I said character and then I said Jesus. Because some of you are like, well, wait a minute. Well, shouldn't Jesus be the most important thing? Yes, Jesus should always be the most important thing. Well, Todd, why did you put character above Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, he, here's, here's why I put that in there. Because Jesus is the most important thing, but I did this on purpose, and here's why. This is just my experience. And it's tough. You, you need to stay with me here. and Don't go out here and misquote me. Jesus is the most important thing. 
But I have seen people that loved Jesus but had low moral character. Have you ever seen that? And it wasn't that they didn't have faith in God. It's that they didn't have a a, a courage of conviction. They did not have that strong sense of right and wrong and convicted to do what is right regardless of the circumstances. And so we, we all know, we would all admit, that there are people that love Jesus but have low moral character. Now, in the world, we know that there are certain people that, that don't know God or have no faith in God and yet still have high moral character. And I remember talking to a, a pastor about this, and we were, we were wrestling around this question. And what we came to the conclusion was is this, is that it is easier to cross the line of faith meaning to go from not believing to believing. It's easy. That, that's an easier leap. Putting faith in Jesus is actually very, very easy, according to the Apostle Paul. But I would have to say that it, it is easier to go from not believing to believing, and that is an easier step than it is to go from having low moral character to high moral character. That, that is a much tougher and longer journey. So to me, this is an absolute, but don't neglect this. Because you can have this and not have that, unfortunately. Are you with me so far? So when you're looking to determine who's dateable, who should I be going after, there is a character, there is a Christ, there is a commonality, and then the fourth C is what? No, this, is, this matters. Don't. All right, now I'm going to get Bible on y'all now. Have you ever read the Song of Solomon? He's talking about your hair flows like the hair of the goats of Gilead, which was a compliment in their day. Um, he, he describes her hair, her beauty, her eyes. He talks about her shoes. He talks, he uses a metaphor. I'll keep this as clean as I can. He uses a metaphor about her fruit and wanting to climb to play with the fruit. And so my point is that the Bible... Now, now here's what's funny is that which is attractive is historically different. Does that make sense? What was attractive a thousand years ago, 500 years ago, today, or even today compared to 20 or 30 years ago, so attractiveness is relative is my point, and I'm not saying you have to look a certain way, I'm just saying you need to be attracted to the person that you're dating with. Right? Are you... Man, y'all are like nervous up in here, like... Don't act like... Now, this is what we do in our culture. The, the absent from principled people. This is what uh, certain Christians who are unprincipled do or anybody doesn't believe in God. We reverse this entire process because what we do is we start with who's hot, right? And I'm not going to lie. That was, that was a part of my process, but I'm telling you it was Tara Lee's character and her love for Jesus that I was attracted to just as much. But we in our current today in society, we, we, we think, are, is he hot? Does he have money? Is she hot? What are certain sizes and numbers? And, you know, like, she got the package. And, we, and what, here's what we do. We totally flip upside down the basic principles that I'm teaching today because we start with, do they look good? Then what we do is, is we get involved into a relationship with them. We introduce physical touch way too soon. Physical touch basically blinds us. We throw on rose-colored glasses. It convinces us that there's more to the relationship than what is actually there. This is why people get down the road and be like, who did I marry? I have nothing in common with him. I, have nothing, I don't even like her that much. And, so, and the reason why is, is because if, you, if, if you've ever felt like that, and dear God, I pray that you don't, it's because you reverse the order. 
And then you end up with people who have low moral character or who don't share the same or you're, you're, you know, because you're like, oh, but but I, I know I know that he's not a Christian now, but I believe that because of me and I'll bring in the church and I just know that one day he'll come to Jesus. And then when that stuff starts affecting your marriage and your kids and your family, it just I'm telling you, I've seen it. I'm telling you, I've had to counsel through this stuff. And, 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 and so many marriages don't survive because they flip this thing on its head. They start here. They have very little of this. And they left those top two just completely out of the picture altogether. And then you wonder why happily ever after just didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would be. And so I'm telling you that if you're out there and you are single, that this is the formula. That's where you begin to determine who is dateable. And I'm telling you that if you do this, you will so highly increase your odds of starting your marriage off right. It's not the end all. It's not everything. We'll have to work some things out after the fact. But as far as starting it out right, I'm telling you, this is biblical genius. And I just dumb luck found that. I totally, I didn't know what I was doing. But boy, did God really bless me. Because God loves me. And so, um, so anyway, that's how you determine who is dateable but everybody say but let's even go but in the meantime while you're looking for this there's a challenge and a tension that that we need to introduce because this is is definitely the blueprint this is what you're looking for but in the meantime here's the question that I, i want you to ask yourself because you're looking for somebody And you're wanting to ask the question, are they dateable? Here's the more challenging question now. Are you dateable? If if meaning like if if you all of a sudden met, ladies, a guy, just strong character, loved Jesus. You had a lot you would you be dateable to him? Do, do you have that strong... It just got quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Do you have strong moral character? Do you have a passion for Jesus that literally is showcased by your attitude and actions? Do, do you have these things? Are you, let, let me put it in a way that sounds uh, really, really deep and really, really cool. Um, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Are, are you the person that the person that you're looking for is looking for? See, the Bible, let me, let me put another statement. The Bible actually says very little about finding the right person. Did you, did you notice that when you read the Bible? Why? Because dating is new. Right? So the Bible doesn't have these stories where like, oh, so-and-so was dating. Like Jacob went and worked for 14 years so he could marry uh, Leah. Does that make sense? Like the, the, most of these marriages were arranged. There's, there's all kinds of different ways. Like the way Isaac found Rachel is that Isaac's dad sent his servant to go look in a community. And when he found the most servant-hearted woman, that's the one. Are you a, are, would you be Rachel that had the utmost of character? That when they found you, like, that's the one. Because that's what I did. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I said, that's the one. Because the Bible doesn't say much about finding it. You know what the Bible teaches? Actually, most of the Bible deals with how to become 
Go read the Bible. Does the Bible constantly hammer what I did earlier and say, this is who you look for, this is who you look for, this is who you look for? Does the Bible actually do that? No. What is the Bible always working on? You. The Bible is working on refining your character and drawing you closer to Jesus. And, and those are the things that matter the most. So last little statement here. So let's reverse this. Actually, everybody say actually. Actually, the first step to starting a great marriage is not to find someone awesome. It's to what? I told you. I was going to tell you what I did. It's brilliant. I was going to tell you what the blueprint looked like. It's brilliant. It's good. But then I was going to flip it on its head. And here's what I mean by that. Is that we need to figure out now, especially as single people, how do we become the right person? And we go straight back through that same process. So, so like, single person, how's your character? How is your ability to do what is right regardless of the circumstances? Just because it's right is God defined right. Like, how is your courage of conviction? How does that work for you? And so I'm going to give you some help now. I want to give you some very, very practical things that you can do to help refine your character and help refine your relationship with Jesus. Are you ready? So so here's some thoughts, just real, real practical stuff. Uh, When when it comes to your character, here's a question you need to ask yourself and, and something you need to do and something you need to fight for and wrestle with. You need to address your unresolved childhood issues. Now, married folk in here, you can amen me right now because you know what I'm talking about. Did you get married and then all of a sudden weird stuff came up? You're like, why did he flash? Why did she trip out? Where did that come from? All I did was say this because all of a sudden you said a word or you've made a phrase that dad used to say when he was a little boy and it's so stuck with him that now if you say those where he flashes? That she just trips out. So like, like, like because of what happened to her when she was a little girl, now she has abandonment issues. And if you go to the store and take too long, she flips out. Like there's just some stuff. Married people, we, we see, all of a sudden we're like, oh, what daddy did to you is coming back to haunt me. What mama did to you or didn't do for you. It's coming back to haunt me. And so we end up with these unresolved childhood issues. We end up with these insecurities in our marriage that we never dealt with. And, and, and so wives, this is what you end up with. You end up with a husband who, who, who needs you to be the mom. And that's weird, guys. You don't marry a woman so that she can be your mom and fix your boo-boo. It's time for you to grow up, put your boots on, and get her done. You need to address your tripping. Ladies, it is no different than you. It, it is, I'm telling you, if you do this now, while you're still young and while you're still dating or while you're in between seasons of life, I'm telling you, it will so help you become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. It, it's going to so help you bypass all the issues that the married folk in this room are like, mm-hmm. And so that, that's where we want you. We want to set you up for success. And so address your unresolved. Here, here's another one. Break your bad habits. Like, like some of you have some bad habits. Like there, there, there's some addiction stuff. There's a, there's a drinking thing. There's a gambling thing. There's a porn thing. There's a thing thing. There's a secret thing. 
You got these bad things in your life, and I'm telling you, they're going to haunt you. They're going to cast a shadow over your marriage, and and you think that it's not going to affect. I'm telling you, it's all linked together. Listen to me, guys, girls, if you are dating somebody who has that kind of track record, I'm telling you, don't think that that won't show up in your marriage. Because, and and this is is one of the dumb things you'll hear uh, naive young couples say is stuff like, oh, well, I can, if, but if we're married, then I can help him with that. Okay, let, let me, let, real world. Okay, crash into reality with me. What, what happens is, is when, when he got an issue, and then the, 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 the answer or the solution to the problem is, is, oh, well, I'll be able to help him when, when we're together. I'm telling watch what happens. Given enough time. He will find a way to somehow make you the reason why he's still like that. I'm just, I'm just telling you. So, like, if you want to, if you want to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, if you want to become dateable, break your bad habits. Don't get over into marriage and expect your spouse to fix it. Because I'm telling you this. This is the truth. Whole people make whole marriages. Whole people make whole marriages. And the more whole you can become as a human being, and the only way to become whole is with the healing of Jesus that comes from your relationship with Him. I'm telling you that when you become a healed and whole person in your emotions, at the core of who you are, I'm telling you whole people make whole marriages. But broken people bring brokenness into the marriage. There is no such thing as marriage issues. Do not kid yourself. Do not fool yourself. There's no such thing as marriage. Well, we got, we got marriage issues. No, you don't. You got issues in your marriage, and there's a difference. Because you had them issues before you got married, and you just brought them up in here. Bam! Now they're just colliding with each other. Man, y'all quiet up in here. Okay, so, 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 so anyway, let, 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 let's see. Here's another thought. Um, when, when it comes to your character, guys, listen to me. Guys, I'm getting too practical up in here. Guys, don't, don't, don't treat girls like they're a commodity. A commodity, like, like a, a product, a thing. They're, they're not. And, and, and so, listen to me, I'm telling you that you have gone into the world and the ways of the world and the ways of culture. And you've lost sight of who God is and how he would want you to live. Because Jesus shows up and so radically defies culture. He actually shows up and tells his disciples that the way that they will know you are my disciples is how you do what? How you love one another. You have no idea how radical that statement was. Because all the dudes were like, do you mean women? He's like, heck yeah, I mean women. Because in their, in their day, women were commodities. Women were products. They were something that you could trade, you could discard, you could, you could do a lot of things with or, or cast aside if you wanted to. And Jesus said, no, 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 I want you to treat women as if they are made in the image and likeness of God, because they are. And I want you to treat women as if they were your sister, or treat women as if they were a daughter of the Most High King. This is how valuable they are to me, and that's how you treat women. And so guys, you want to work on your character? Stop treating women like they're a commodity. Girls, let's talk about you for a second. Don't dress like a commodity. And don't put up with being treated like one either. Don't, don't dress like a commodity. Like, like if you don't want to be treated like a commodity, you don't dress like a commodity. So if you've got your buns hanging out the backside and you've got your, your, 
your fruit hanging out the front side, as Solomon said, and, and, and you got everything so skin tight that there's nothing left to the imagination. Like that, that you're, putting, you're putting yourself out there to be treated like a commodity. And I'm telling you, a woman with high levels of character, with class and dignity, with modesty, they don't dress like that. And they certainly don't put up with guys who treat them like that. I'm telling you that your beauty, it comes from the inside first and foremost. And if you dress like a commodity, you will attract a certain type of dude. And this is, and, and this is frustrating too. I, I don't know if you've ever had this about you. you ever had the woman, they're like, men, they're all a bunch of pigs. They're all the same. No, the men that you date are all the same. And that's because you choose that kind of dude or you dress in such a way to attract that kind of dude. But in reality, in all five of your relationships and marriages and what. You're the only common denominator to all of them. It's you. So, so when, when you don't value yourself and carry yourself with the character of Christ. I'm, t- I'm just, I'm just let, let's keep going. That was, y'all want me to keep moving. Okay, so, okay, so we talked about character. Like, like there's a Jesus element. Remember, we, we were talking about you becoming dateable. There's a Jesus element to it. He, here's a great thought. Postpone the physical contact of your dating relationship as long as possible. This is what the Bible prescribes. The Bible says to not engage in physical touch. And I'm telling you, obviously the Bible is clear about not having sex before marriage. But I'm talking about even before that, like careful on the touching and the grabbing and the kissing and first base and second base. And I don't even know what's in short style. I don't even know those things anymore. I've been married too long. Marriage is great. And we don't even think about things like that. We just straight to home play. Anyway, uh, so, so. I've said too much. Anyway, I'm telling you because the, the way that you start your relationship off will define how it goes moving forward. And so when you introduce this, let me just tell you this. Uh, having sex before marriage and introducing physical touch before marriage, number one, it, it makes an emotionally lazy husband because they're having their cake and eating it too way too soon. And, and you're bypassing the level of friendship that you need to cultivate inside of your marriage. And then it makes for an insecure wife down the road. And it's just proof that people who are promiscuous before marriage are much more likely to be promiscuous after marriage. I mean, this is is the fact studies show through. I'm just telling you, the Bible, God's not a prude. He's just wise in ways that we don't even comprehend. He is divinely wise. God's not a prude. He's trying to protect you and help you. And I'm not saying this is easy because back maybe when Jesus was rolling around on the earth, I mean, people were getting married at 14 years old and it was like... You know, perfect. And so the way society and culture is right now, it's much more difficult. I'm not saying that it's not, but I'm telling you it will be the most Christ-like thing that you can do. Here, here, here's another one. Let's, let's keep going. Avoid living together. Living together before marriage is never helpful. There is a counterintuitive wisdom that the Bible gives about this. Because there is this uh, cultural wisdom that just says, oh, well, you know, you should try it out before you take the plunge. And you should kick the tires and take it for a test drive before you buy it. And, there's a, and, and it, sounds, it sounds like it would follow logic. If you read the statistics and the studies, what it shows is this, is that people that cohabitate before marriage have a higher divorce rate than those who don't. So the stats just don't bear out. It just doesn't work out that way. And Jesus gives the prescription like we, we don't do this. So I'm telling you, if you want to actually experience happily ever after, this is not the way to go. But let's, let's keep going here. Number three is this, and this is under the Jesus category, is get involved in church. The best stories, I'm telling you, the best stories, and I've got some of them. I was a youth pastor for years, if you don't know that. And um, I, I've got some incredible stories of kids 
who grew up in my youth group. They were serving as volunteers in my youth group. They met um, other volunteers. And, man, I'm doing their weddings. I'm, I'm dedicating their kids. And they're the greatest stories. And where did they meet? They met because they got involved at church. So I'm telling you that, that, that to find what is dateable, your best bet's actually being involved in church. This is the best way. That's what, that's what I did. And so I'm telling you, being involved in church while you're dating and then being involved in church as a married couple, it is a powerful, powerful thing to put Christ in the, in the middle of that. It creates that servant mentality which bleeds over and makes a great marriage. Anyway, here's another thought. This is, this is for some of you today who, if you, if you got tricked into being in church and you actually don't believe anything I'm saying and you're not a Christian, I need you to know this. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you all know. So if you're not a believer today, I want you to know this. If you're not a believer, don't date a Christian unless you plan to become one. They're tricking you, okay? I just want you to know that. They're they're like, no, no, I'm okay if you don't. They're lying to you, okay? If you're dating a Christian, they have future plans. You're here. You already took the book. You know what I mean? You're already in. You're you're here today, right? They already got you part of the way there. And so I'm just telling you this. Now, I want you to become a Christian. I want you to stay and get involved. And I I want you to hear me out because I think I can lead you to some faith in Jesus that will wreck your life in the most amazing way. I, I, I want you here. But I'm just telling you. Because, like, guess what? Because when you have kids, then she's going to flip back. But I want my kids raised in church. And then, then you're gone. So anyway, this, this is a side note. Don't date a Christian unless you began to be, plan to become one. I'm just giving you some advice if you're not a believer out there. That was, that was free. You didn't have to pay for that. And so, so anyway, now, now when it comes to your commonality, I don't really have a lot to say about that. And here's why. Just be yourself. Like, like, if you're out there and I want you to become dateable, the most important thing you can do is focus on your relationship with God and your moral character. It's the most important thing. When it comes to your commonality, be yourself. And if they don't like you for who you are, then, then there's, there's not a lot of commonality. That's fine. And when it, be, when, hey, when it comes to your cuteness, hey, go with what you got. You know what I mean? Just be cute. Be who you I are. Think, I, think, I think you're made in the image and likeness of God. So you take care of your body. You do what's right. and you be, Don't put everything out on front street. Let your inward beauty shine. Be a person of class and modesty. Guys, look good. Okay, so that was my point. Take a shower. There's some real simple things there. I want you to become, single people, are you with me? I want you to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And focusing on your character and your relationship with God. And stay cute and be yourself. I want you to become dateable. Because becoming dateable is actually the first step in starting a great marriage. And looking for someone who is dateable is really that next step. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you are going to be set up for success. Married people, am I right on about this or not? Okay, now, now here, here's the deal. For all you married folk out there. If you're married, raise your hand. Let's do that real quick. Married, raise your hand. So, you're like, uh, thanks a lot, Todd. Could have used that information 10 years ago. I did have that one day. I was up here talking in a marriage series, and I was doing something like, yeah, wish I would have known that five years ago. Thanks, Todd. A little too late. And so uh, okay, here, here's the deal. If you're out there and you're, you're married, you've been married for a few years, 10 years. I'm, we're, we're about to do 14 years. Where's my wife? We were married for 14 years. Um, she's hot, I told you. And so if you're out there and you're married, and you're like, okay, listen, get back in here next week. This whole series is going to be good whether you're single or married. I'm telling you, get in here for every week. Don't miss one week. 
cancel whatever you're doing. Be here, okay? But if you're in here and you're married and you say, thanks a lot, Todd. We appreciate you talking to all the single people. No, this is for you too today. Because what do you do when you're married? I'm going to tell you what you do when you're married. Because nothing really ever changes. If you're in here married, there's a few things I want you to do. Because as you're married, you can still refine your own character. But you're not done. It's not like, it's not like you, you got married and that was the finish line. You got married and that was the starting line. And now you're in a lifelong journey. And like I said, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. If you've been married 10, 20 years, I don't care who you are. I still am trying to refine my character for her. And she, likewise, is still trying to refine her character for me. This isn't something you just all of a sudden achieve greatness. I mean, the Apostle Paul was near the end of his life. He's writing part of the book of Galatians. He goes, hey, by the way, I haven't attained everything in life yet. I haven't crossed the line. I haven't made perfection yet. I'm still working at this thing. You're no different. Number, number two is this. As a married person, I want you to draw closer to Jesus. Like, I'm telling you this, man, a guy that has a close relationship and a strength that comes from his relationship with God, that's sexy. You're bringing it back. There's something, a man who is strong in moral character, who is a strong person because of their relationship with God. They're not a high-maintenance, super-needy, insecure dude because of their relationship with God. I'm telling you, you're bringing it back. Nothing changed now that you got married. You're still trying to grow closer to Jesus. Thirdly is this, is, is some of you, you're married. So the goal is not to see if there's commonality. The goal now is to actually find or, let's just say, create commonality. You need to figure out things to do together. Find what you have in common and build on that. Embrace and celebrate your differences. And you know what? You, that, that means you need to be doing things together as a married couple. Find things to do. You, you create commonality now. Don't say, well, she's so different and he's so this. and da, 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 da. No, no. You, there, there's something. Find it. Create it. And then lastly, hey, work at your cuteness. Work at your cuteness. I was, I was having so much fun with the, with the married woman. In our, our, we were talking to both of them at the same time. and she, We were talking about her hair getting done. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think you'll see them in a couple of weeks. They're in a, a video that we're going to show as a part of this series. And uh, we were talking about hair and doing your hair. And I'm like, hey, 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 you're not one of those women that got married and then all of a sudden started mailing it in, did you? you you're not one of those. I'm just choking with it. But there's a truth to that. Like, I want to stay attractive to her. Does that make sense? Now, I clearly, I, I'm, I'm doing my best. But that's all they care about. You don't have to have eight-pack abs. You don't have to be weird. I don't want you to be anorexic. I think that's just weird. I'm telling you, though, is that we work at it. We, do, we, we make an attempt to stay attractive to our spouse because it, it, it matters. I don't want to get into the Song of Solomon again. I don't want to get into fruit trees again. But you can work at cuteness. And when we do these things, all of a sudden we crash into a wonderful reality. It's not going to be happily ever after like Disney portrayed it to be. But that's not what life is like anyway. Life is just not like that. What you want is something that is special because of your character and your faithfulness and honesty towards one another. Because of the bond that you share through Jesus Christ. Through building a life together where you enjoy life together. And yeah, you stay attractive to each other. That's a cool and unique and fun component to your relationship with each other. This is how even after we're married, we stay dateable. Let's pray this morning. 
So, Father, I pray that today we all take up the challenge, God, to become the person that the person we're looking for is looking for. And for those of us who are married, God, help us to become the person that the person we're already with was hoping for. God, help us challenge us, convict us, God. Some of us need to fight and wrestle to break those bad habits. Some of us need to fight and wrestle with our childhood insecurities so that we don't bring all kinds of crazy baggage and then throw it on our spouse when we get married. We want to be whole people. And so for those of us who are dating, God, I pray that you'd put them on a journey to wholeness. For those of us who are already married, God, put us on the same journey to wholeness, that we might be whole in you, that we might freely love and give towards our spouse, God. We all want, this is what I know, we all want happily ever after, God. Teach us, show us, Holy Spirit, guide us. Help us, God. In the areas where we've missed it, God, I pray that we would repent and turn to you. In the areas where we're weak, I pray that we would turn to you and look for strength, God. Help us to walk out of this place and become the person that, God, you would want us to become. Father, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, give me a good gospel. Amen. Amen. Can we give a little big hand clap? 